The things you do for others remain as your legacy. Kalu, Kalu. Professor Latanya White is a growth mindset business coach for dreamers, doers, and change makers. An author, entrepreneur, educator, mother, and coach. In this episode, she teaches us not just about generational wealth, but dynastic wealth and how to become fearless. Stay tuned. Classes in session. Okay, I am looking forward to learning and being educated. One of the things about my podcast that I'm uh, passionate about is to have amazing conversations and, and to heal from those conversations, but to also be educated and to have thought provoking, life changing conversations. And so I believe that this is going to be one. But before we jump all into the good stuff and learn some things, introduce yourself and let us know who is Professor Latanya White. Well, <laughs> well, thank you again for having me. So I'm Professor Latanya White, and I can, outside of being a mom, I consider one of my most important identities is as an advocate for Black entrepreneurship. So I teach, and I'm doing my air quotes, and I've been doing my air quotes for 11 years. Uh, <laughs> but I teach um, entrepreneurship uh, at the one of the largest historically Black colleges in the country. I teach at Florida A&M University. And I say teach because certainly in my role as an educator, what we do is we understand learning in this very traditional sense. But when I'm really... Um, keeping a finger on the pulse of who my students are and who I'm serving, it's actually a much more impactful experience for me to facilitate mm. learning for them. So that's why I'm always like, I teach, but let me see <laughs> what I mean by that kind of thing. Yeah, so as an educator, as an entrepreneur myself, um, and also a doctoral candidate studying the racial wealth gap and entrepreneurial dynasties and a mom. So those are different um, identities or the different uh, hats that I wear. I love that. That's beautiful. I love that you have taken teaching air quotes and you part basically what I hear is that you personalize it to your students. I think that's super important as a mother as well um, to see my daughter matriculating through you know school and 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 the, the higher it gets the more I'm like you know what I just can't wait for you to get out of school because <laughs> it's so different than when I grew up and the, the the system is very broken in so many ways especially for our children and so I am thank you Thank you for that work. Thank you for teaching and personalizing it 
for us. And then also thank you for teaching black entrepreneurship because that is something that is not taught and is not we a lot of us when we started including myself we just kind of you know went for the gusto. We didn't really know what we was doing. We didn't have a blueprint some of us at all. Didn't have anyone in our family that ever did anything that we're doing. And so the people like you are needed, okay? And necessary. <laughs> So thank you so much. What led you to want to be an advocate? Like you probably could have done a lot of things, but why be an advocate for Black entrepreneurship? That is such a great question. Like I've never been asked that question and I don't think I've ever had to pinpoint when I evolved from being just an educator to being an advocate. But as I like think back on it, I know like I, I can remember vividly the day and where I was and where I actually was over here. I'm not sure if you can see this on the map. Mm -hmm. I was in Bali, Indonesia when I realized that I would, I needed to become an advocate. Like I didn't have the language. I didn't have the words, but there was an experience there that was so indelible that really changed what I understood my responsibility to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I had participated in an entrepreneurship accelerator. It was the first time that I really began to understand what social entrepreneurship was. And I had been teaching, I had been teaching, right? Here we go with my air closing. <laughs> um, I had been in a classroom for about four years, I think mm-hmm. I'd say. And I just, I felt the walls closing in on me. I felt like the impact that I could have in front of the classroom was Mm -hmm. was severely limited. And I was like, you know what? The entrepreneur in me is not feeling this. Yeah, crying out. Yes. Yes. And I, um, I started looking at these different programs. I was doing research to really understand. I wanted to become a better entrepreneurship educator. And I found, you know, Kaufman had a program, the Ice House had a program. There were programs everywhere. And I said, Lord, I'll never be able to consume all this information. (laughs) But luckily, um, I don't know how I was targeted by this Facebook ad, but there was a program being hosted in Indonesia um, that was looking at social entrepreneurship advocates. And I applied to the program, still knee deep in teaching. Um, At the time I had been assigned to four classes and I was like, you know, let me slide this this resignation letter because I don't want no problems. But my dean who, and and she still teases me about this. She's still like, now, aren't you glad I, I didn't I didn't let you go? Aren't you glad I didn't accept that resignation letter when you tried to give it to me? But fast forward through the story, it was a 30-day program. And the goal was to go from idea to market within those 30 days. Okay. Because they were going to give us all the resources, mm-hmm. mentoring, as much as we needed to right. make that happen. And I have a good friend, she and I are still really good friends. This was back in 2013. Um, we got to day 26 and I asked her if she was ready. Like her idea was to help empower and teach other Indonesian women how to build e-commerce websites so that they can generate more income for their families. Yeah. This was in 
2013, she's talking about e-commerce. Right. And I was so excited for her. And she, I asked her if she was ready. She was like, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm good enough. And I had one of those, that's so raving moments, right? Because I've been having those same conversations 13,000 miles away with students, Mm. same conversations with clients who all were ethnic minorities. Yeah. And the thing that really gives me chills is that the place where she's from in Indonesia, her ancestors were the slaves of that country. Wow. Wow. So it was at that point and like still talking about it still gives me chills because I'm like the impact, right? Yeah. Yeah. impact of that Mm -hmm. that generational narrative and what's in our dna is still manifesting in some ways that's still holding us back and i think that was the that was the turning point for me so powerful so true even as you say that it, it really resonates with me because i'm the same way i have so many i don't know moments even though i know like i know the power that I possess, the talents, the gifts, the abilities, and just the God power in me, right? But I have, there there are so many things that I can honestly say that I did not go after, and I have not still, (laughs) even though I'm doing this, Mm -hmm. that I haven't done, because I did not feel like I could do it, didn't feel like I was worthy of it, didn't feel like I, not that it wouldn't hear me, if you hear what I'm saying, I'm not saying that it wouldn't succeed. Isn't that crazy? I'm saying, I, my doubt is in me. Not that if I, you know, I know if I do it, I can do it and it'll be successful, but mm-hmm. it's me. And I think that, like you said, that is a conversation. Those, that is the thought press process of so many women. Um, speak to that really quickly. Um, that wasn't even on my notes, but that's all good because so many people, not just women, um, right. there are so many men who don't believe that they're worthy. Right. And it's sad to me, but it's, it's a very real thing. Speak to that and those people that are listening and watching. So, and I'm going to try to stay out of my, my bag <laughs> because, so that happened in 2013. And as I was coming back from that experience, I began um, working and advocating for this concept that we were taught, like our first two or three days there, which was business model generation. So every place that I had a soapbox or every place that I could build a soapbox. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to talk to Black communities and and ecosystems of Black entrepreneurs about business model generation, but it was so far ahead of the curve of where I was. And and you notice being an innovator is exhausting, sis, right? Like, (laughs) so... I had to really kind of step back and say, well, where, wherever I am is where I can serve. And Mm -hmm. that's when I came upon my doctoral program. So the program is through Antioch University's Graduate School of Leadership and Change. And I remember in my application, like my personal essay, I said that I wanted to be helping, I want to contribute to helping how Black people see themselves. And so I went first year full in looking at identity. How do we construct it? How do we claim it? How does it influence what we do? Yeah. And when I tell you, my own identity crisis just came 
crashing down so fast <laughs> all around me. But I think it was, I, I think I had to go through that to really understand how people I would be serving would feel. Right. And so the identity piece is such, like we can, you can't get away from how you see yourself in the mirror, how you, like the narrative that you say up here yeah. and how that shows up in your branding. Yes. And it shows up in your pricing. It yeah. shows up in your customer service. And so right. what I really start, and I know you said we'll, we'll talk a bit about becoming fearless, but the F in fearless is foundation. And that foundational exercise is considered an identity map. We're really mm-hmm. looking at the layers of you and how that impacts and influences your entrepreneurial journey. That's so powerful. Cause like you said, it's coming up somewhere Mm -hmm. Um, and people, people will notice it. They usually will notice it sometimes before you do, like if you haven't dealt with those things, (laughs) trust me, I know. Cause I've had certain conversations in this space and people were like, Hmm, that's, that was an interesting perspective. You know, mm-hmm. where, what was that rooted in? And I'm like, I don't, what? That's just how I feel. And it's like, no. Then when I think about it, I'm like, yo, that's that's an area that I haven't healed that I need to go back and, and assess. So that's really good. So let's jump into some of the, the things that I'm excited about learning about. Um, I love your platform. You. And again, the work that you do. And as I was doing my research, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I have not heard of some of these things, or maybe I heard of it and I didn't quite understand. So let's jump into that. You talk about dynastic wealth versus generational wealth. And we hear a lot about generational wealth. We hear a lot about that, but the term dynastic wealth is something I've never heard of. Can you elaborate on that and what that is? Yes. So there is a um, a report by the Institute of Policy Studies and their whole mission is to, one of their um, research areas is on the racial wealth gap. So everything that they're producing in this one particular research arm is looking at how did the racial wealth gap start? Who has the money? How are they making it? How are they keeping it? And how does that perpetuate and widen the gap? One report that I stumbled upon, so this was issued in 2018, and I stumbled upon it early 2020, so early in the pandemic, and what they talked about was inherited wealth dynasties, like that's literally the, the subtitle of this report, it's the Billionaire Bonanza Report of 2018, and it looks at inherited wealth dynasties, and I'm like, what what is this so you know I'm, I'm like you because you hear of you know or asian dynasties from from ancient china we hear of political dynasties like the kennedys and the wash and the the bush families right mm-hmm. but there is a such thing as an entrepreneurial dynasty Mm-hmm. And as I'm looking in this research, as I'm reading through this report, they're talking about the Rockefellers, the Fords, the Waltons. And what I had to do, like as a scholar, you, you know, you can't take everything face value. Right. You really have to go as deep as you can and get to the origin point. So I'm going through all these books mm-hmm. and all these reports and everything that I'm seeing is indicating that a dynasty is established at the third generation. 
So when we talk about, when we're hearing about generational wealth, and I have a six-year-old daughter, so it's a, a good example for me. Typically, when we're hearing about generational wealth, it's between me and my six-year-old daughter. Right. Dynastic wealth is me, my daughter, and her children. And yeah. it's inherent, like it's, it's, it's required that it reaches that third generation to get to dynastic status. And it's not just that I become a grandmother. It's not just that my grandchildren turn 18 or 25. It's that my grandchildren control the wealth that I'm creating yeah. today or the business that I'm building. So that, you know, depending on how old you are, how old your kids are, that's anywhere from 15 to 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. So to think that we have our white counterparts that are planning in advance. That far ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. And many and of us can't get past many. our two weeks. Yeah. You know, our dollars don't circulate. Like it's, it's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm scratching my head for those just, that are just listening. Like, wow. Right. Right. And, and there are these constructs, right? So of course, we've heard of trust and things of that nature. There is a dynasty trust, right? Which automatically says the wealth and, and the assets are for the grandchildren. So it automatically, automatically goes to the third generation. There is a generation skipping trust where she won't even touch, she won't be able to touch it. It's going to be for her kids. So those are some ways that they're inherently building dynastic status into how they operate their, not just their businesses, their families, because the family is involved in these things. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Kingdom Creations is a private school operating in Martinez, Georgia, that respects milestones and recognizes that every child blossoms according to their unique gifts and in their own season. Kingdom Creations Academy has the best interests of their students at heart with an approach that consists of appealing to each child's learning style, consistent progress monitoring, and open communication between teachers and family. Their program is innovative by approach, designed to empower the lifelong love of learning via exploration and observation and offering specialized group and individual instruction through music and movement in the areas of math, science, social studies, and language arts. They are now enrolling children ages three through five, and you can email them at kingdomcreations224 at gmail.com or call at 706-364-0098 to schedule your family walkthrough. So you also talk about dynastic wealth as it pertains to first generation black wealth creators. Mm -hmm. So let's break that down a bit as well, because a lot of us are kind of in that in that category. Mm -hmm. So remember, I shared that my first year, I'm really looking at identity and identity specifically for black entrepreneurs. There are there are these two approaches to identity development. And a lot of times we claim an identity that's given to us, 
right? So as a part of, (laughs) as a part of my own evolution, one of the things that I realized as I was building out the Becoming Fearless model was that I claimed this identity that they gave to me, right? Oh, Tanya's shy. Tanya's this, Tanya's that. And I- I walked through the world with that narrative. I I played no real role in establishing my own identity, at at least not up until I was in my mid-20s, right? Yeah. So there is the identity claiming, but for Black entrepreneurs, we really have to construct an identity. And so that's where the, the worthiness comes into play that self-efficacy that says I am worthy I can do this I will be good at this this is my purpose this is my calling so we have to construct those aspects of our identity and so as I was really kind of unpacking you know this this idea I realized that some of us all we gonna ever want to be is is just a side hustle right? And that's fine because, right. you know, for those of us that's out here building dynasties, we're going to need some employees that's going to be loyal <laughs> and that's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what I realized was there's these different levels to Black entrepreneurship and the identity of Black entrepreneurship. So when I, as I was really building now, okay, what do I want to do my dissertation research on? And I'm like, I want to research Black dynasties, it's so hard to find them because for one thing, we aren't capturing our stories enough, right? For, for, for another thing, the story got to be at least three generations in. And so I said, okay, let me start at the, at generation one. I mean, this is the time, right? This is the time to really start to help people see themselves as not just hustlers or not even just entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. but wealth creators, because those two concepts are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Man, listen, you said so much (laughs) there, but this is why I have the platform to have these conversations. I tell people all the time, this is not a podcast for trending topics and cool stuff. These are the type of conversations that need to be had because we do need to know that we have the power to create wealth and that we are wealth creators. And like you said, not just side hustlers. And and and, and the, again, there's nothing wrong with, right. with certain things and pursuing certain things. But I think we have to see ourselves as ourselves, like as we really are. And like you said, you know, really it's a tearing down of mm-hmm. And, and reprogramming of the narrative that that we've lived out. Like you said, I did it for years until I was like, when I hit 30, I had a whole identity crisis. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, something's different. Who am I? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Like, mm-hmm. it was a whole thing because for years, I just accepted what was what was told to me. That I'm, like you said, shy, all these things. Mm-hmm. And there might be some truth to some of those things, but the way they affect us is how we live 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 our lives out. And so I'm so glad you touched on that. That is so good. Uh, tell us about the Becoming Fearless Academy. I, first of all, love that. Um, what is that all about? Thank you. So Becoming Fearless Academy, um, and let me actually just kind of break down fearless. So fearless um, and becoming fearless is an acronym. So it's the process that I take my students, my clients, everyone that I work with, I take them through this process of becoming 
fearless because I want to give credence and I want to acknowledge that you ain't gonna just be fearless overnight. I I'm not here for that. I'm not saying okay. that because it don't work like that. No. Like that. It does not work like that. <laughs> right. So um, it's the process, but it's also the product, right? Mm-hmm. So on the other side of this work that we do together, this deep work, this strategic work that we do together, you also acknowledge for yourself that you're in the process of becoming fearless. That now you can take much more calculated and informed risks mm-hmm. to ensure that your return and your reward um, that pours back into your business is... Um, it, it, it's feasible and it, it's practical. You aren't, you know, throwing everything Diving, yeah. to the wall, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. So fearless, um, the F is foundation. I shared a little bit about that's where we're doing some of that identity work and then how, who you are as a first generation Black wealth creator, how that should show up in your branding, right? So your mission statement, who you're targeting, what problem your customers are facing. And then that leads us into the evaluation. That's where we're looking at how are you showing up? How is the brand showing up in the marketplace and how is it being received? Like the colors that you're wearing, are those just your favorite colors? Or did you do the research on color psychology to make sure that whatever those colors evoke is in alignment with what your customers want to feel, how they want to feel. Intentionality. Exactly, exactly. Um, From there, we do some analysis. We're looking at who you're up against, um, how you position yourself in this innovative way um, by solving the problem that your customers face. I mean, we know there's nothing new under the sun, but if you're paying attention to how people feel, then what we do as we're working together is pinpoint and identify what's called a blue ocean strategy. Like, ain't nobody out here in these waters. They're real calm. We smooth sailing out here. We gonna leave all that choppy water where they're, you know, fighting for blood and all of that stuff. We're gonna leave that back there. So that comes through the analysis, but it's the retraining module. That's probably where the heart work really happens because that's when we're talking about (laughs) profitability that's when we're talking about money and numbers and so many of us we shy away from really wanting to unpack the numbers yeah um we 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 say oh I'm new to this I don't have as much experience as the next person so I'm their prices are here I'm going to set my prices here and that doesn't, that's not going to build a dynasty. Mm-hmm. That's not going to ensure that you're profitable. Those likes and comments and shares are not going to keep the lights on. Okay. But that's where we, <laughs> <laughs> so that's where like the foundation, you know, we get, we get a little teary eyed and everything, but when we get to the retraining module is really like, take your emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. And let's think about your grandchildren, because that's who we're in this to begin right right I love that and it really helps me like because there are things that I'm I work through in in this and in the things that I do and there are some things that I'm actually undertaking at this time um some other businesses and things like that and so to think of it in that way like a step-by-step and not feeling like you got to go all in and if you don't then you're not committed or passionate about 
what you're trying to do because that is a narrative also that is put out there like you gotta you gotta go for it you gotta and if you're not if you're not doing that then you're not passionate you don't really mean and it's like no some things just take a little time okay I gotta work through this and and especially when you're overcoming and you're reconstructing you're doing all of the things that we've already talked about so I love that um what does the future of Professor Latanya White look like like what what else like you haven't done all so much already (laughs) uh what else can we look forward to with you. Thank you. Thank you for, for creating the opportunity to share that. So I, when I tell you, I ain't never wanted to be finished with something <laughs> so bad in my life, <laughs> but I am almost there. So I'm actually in the recruiting phase for my dissertation. I, I'll be interviewing Black beauty entrepreneurs. I want to focus oh, on one industry at a time Mm -hmm. and with my dissertation that would be the black beauty industry but post dissertation I look forward to interviewing black real estate professionals black communications professionals like we I have a book over here it's the african-american it's the encyclopedia of african-american business history and it 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 captures stories from 1619 Mm. to 1996 wow and so I got the book and I'm you know flipping through I'm like 1996 where the rest of it like what what happened since then and so there's no one one publication that captures our story and this has biographies it talks about business about the products it talks about the founders but there's no one publication that continues to tell that story. And so I want to be, I didn't know that I, I wanted to, cause I was writing in my draft. I was like, well, who's going to tell the rest of the story? And the editor was like, well, you like, what? okay. <laughs> so that's, that's what's next for me. Um, in addition to with becoming fearless Academy, I really, kind of extended it. I built it into this online community. Um, It's the Dynastic Wealth Community Free Membership. And it's just a place where I gather all the resources, everything I've learned and put it in one place. But I extend that last aspect um, in the last. So I left off at retraining. We get into leverage, efficient systems and sustainability. And sustainability is really the dynastic wealth part of it. So that's how Becoming Fearless Academy has evolved. And that's where I hope that, um, Lord willing, my next evolution will take me into helping change the narrative. Um, I I know that it's aspirational. I know that it may not happen in my lifetime, but the fact that your platform and, and this opportunity to be here with you to get more Black people, Black entrepreneurs, and Black families thinking about our grandchildren and understanding that, especially as business owners, the the decisions that we make today are going to impact somebody 15 or 50 years from now. Yeah, yeah. That's enough. That's enough for me. Uh, that is so beautiful. Thank you. Again, thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for even the the, the work that I believe that you, you are going to undertake and do and do it so well. Um, let the people know how they can stay in contact with you and keep up with everything that you have going on. 
Thank you so much. So I'm Meet Prof White, M-E-E-T-P-R-O-F White on all socials. Um, and then you can always, like I said, the membership is free in the Dynastic Wealth um, community, the online community. So if you would, you know, maybe include the link to that in the show notes. For sure. That, I'm in there all day, every day, <laughs> making sure, you know, to answer questions, to provide resources and things of that nature. So either find me on social or connect with me in the, the Dynastic Wealth online community. Awesome. Well, I definitely will include those links and information. Uh, y'all, we got work to do. Okay. We got dynastic wealth to be building. Okay. I got to get to work. All right. <laughs> uh, so thank you again, Latanya. And until next time, you are listening to and watching the Ever Evolving Podcast. Stay connected to the Ever Evolving Podcast by following on Instagram and liking on Facebook. See you there.